had James laughing. I was just grooving to the music. Anyway, <laughs> I have a quick question. Have you ever watched a magician do something? And, like, it was amazing, right? It just like, wow, it was amazing, right? Um, and then you found out what the trick is, and then it wasn't so amazing anymore, right? Well, it's the same thing with goal setting, problem solving, all that stuff, right? But, see, there's a huge difference between, like, you know, going from seeing this big challenge, this big, huge thing, right? And then somebody, like your teacher or whatever, right, tells you how to do it, right, what the, what the secret is. And then it was almost like a letdown, right? Oh, that was, that was simple, right? But the reality is, is there's a huge difference between knowing the secret, knowing how to make something happen, and actually doing it. We'll talk about that more as soon as we get back. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's still my story, and here we are. Welcome to episode 109 of Kuden Podcast. And so um, uh, we'll just jump right into things. Um, I will be posting a new video, actually two of them here, uh, within the next couple of hours. Uh, uh, we just shot some of these things, and I've got a whole uh, whole list of these things that we're going to be doing, uh, new content coming out. So uh, if you're not following us on YouTube, make sure you're doing that. Uh, excuse me. So... Um, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, I know. Uh, one of the videos that we shot, uh, was, uh, three, uh, three ways to escape from like a wrist grab kind of thing. Right. And, uh, could be clothing grab, could be anything like that. Um, you know, this, this time around we did wrist grabs, just a couple of things out of our, uh, module one curriculum. And so, um, one of the, the, the like the very first technique, right? It's really a down and dirty kind of thing not really like ninja secret, right, kind of thing, right? But in the video, you'll see, right, when I set this thing up, I tell people, right, as soon as you see this, you're going to go, really, right? But the number of people that go through the program and see this, right, while like half their brain says, well, Duh. Well, well, that that's not like I didn't need to come to like a martial arts program or a self-defense program to learn that thing. But the other half of their, their brain is going, oh, crap, I never thought of that. Right. It's kind of like when we're doing um, uh, knife defense or actually knife retention. Right. Weapon retention. It doesn't matter if it's a gun, knife, whatever. Right. And so we've got this weapon and we're fending this person off or whatever. And somebody comes in. Could be that person, could be one of their friends or whatever, right? And they lock down on this arm. They grab the clothing, they grab the, the wrist, the arm, whatever, right? To keep us from being able to use this weapon, right? And then they're always surprised when I just reach over and transfer hands, right? So they were fixated on this thing, right? So I know, sounds like super, super simple, um, but 
if we don't think about it, if it's not wired in, um, it doesn't matter what our intellect understands. It doesn't matter what, uh, what we, you know, look at and go, well, <laughs> well, that's obvious, man. If we're not thinking about it under pressure when we need to solve the problem, then as far as we're concerned, right? As far as our reality is, the, 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 that simple technique is an elephant in the room, right? It's, no, it's just another enormous problem, enormous challenge that we have to solve, right? And so part of our training, right? Part of martial arts training, if we approach it the right way, isn't about learning tricks. Of course, we're going to learn lots and lots of techniques, right? But part of it is in approaching how to handle problems, how to handle challenges, right? Most people look at it and go, well, you know, we're, we're learning how to defend against a punch. We're learning how to defend against. It's a, it's a ginormous problem. In the moment when somebody's violent, out of control rage, or even worse than that, cold, calculated intent, right, is coming at us. This is a huge challenge, right? And we have to see that our training is problem solving. 101, 102, 103, 505, whatever, right? So uh, I got to really thinking about this. And I was actually working with one of my mentors here uh, in the last couple of days. And uh, this is in a different realm from martial arts, self-defense, whatever, right? And uh, a couple of things that he said really like stuck. And like it was one of those things that when it happened, I had to jot it down really, really quickly. It, not so much for what I was working with him on. I was working on some other problems and challenges for myself. It wasn't about that. I had to jot this thing down like, oh, my God, this this would be great uh, to share with uh, students and listeners of Kuden and and, and and other other parts of, the, of our of our training. Right. Our stuff. Um, because what really struck me, right, one of these things was, um, you know, how do you have a good idea? Right. Everybody's looking for that one really good idea that's going to make a huge difference. Right. They're looking for that secret technique, that secret move, right? If I could just look at that, that, that one special part of his body so that if I, if I watch that, right, then I'll know what he's doing, right? Um, everybody's looking for the secret, right? What, how do I have a really big idea? How do I have a really good idea? Well, the secret of having a really good idea, the way successful, uber, uber successful people, handle things. I don't care if they're athletes or in their business or in our case, right? You got this martial arts self-defense kind of thing going on or whatever, right? It's not about coming up with one good idea. It's actually about coming up with a butt ton of ideas, right? Become an idea machine. And, but it's not just about coming up with ideas, right? Because we've, we've talked about this when it comes to our son meets our triple secrets for success and all that, right? There's a lot of people that have lots of ideas, right? They have lots of things. They have lots of plans and whatnot, right? But sometimes it's acting on them, right? The uber successful have lots of ideas. But what they end up doing is they create plans around those ideas and they put them into action. And then they wait and they want to, they, they see what the results are. 
And then there's always going to be certain combinations or certain, uh, cer- certain ideas, right? One or two that really produce massive results. And then what they do is they just ignore the other ones. They just turn off whatever resources or activities or whatever. And they go all in on those things that are obviously working, right? So instead of like coming up with one, doing it, and then if it's not producing the results, just going, well, shit, that didn't work, right? Well, okay, but how many other ones do you have, right? It's kind of like going fishing. Instead of just tossing one lure or one worm or hook or whatever in the water, you toss a whole bunch in, right? But once you get it, it's kind of like, you know, we, we talk about needs to all the time and how it was one of the original, if not the original, mixed martial art. I mean, think about all the things that are in it, right? This is not a kicking style. It's not a punching style. It's not a grappling style. It's right. It's it's not about style. It's not about one way to do things and then hoping to God or whoever, whatever. Right. That when somebody attacks you, that's what you're going to need. Right. It's about loading up a toolbox with as many options, as many tools, as many techniques as possible, right? And then, you know, we're looking at what we're doing. There's nine different schools, which means nine different perspectives or approaches on handling given problems, right? Not counting our Mikio mind science, not counting any of that stuff, and not counting all of the other schools that Hatsumi Sensei either had Mikio Kaiden in or... Uh, that he had trained in over his lifetime, right? I think the count that, that I have somewhere in my notes is somewhere between 100 and 150 different systems, right? Everybody likes to count nine, right? And I get it, right? He had Soke ship and they want to focus on those things, but there's this synthesis, right? So you end up with this synergistic effect and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So there's all of these things, right? So, uh, but we have, we have minimum, right? Nine perspectives, nine different, you know, ways to handle that, right, given logical systems, right? But then how many different methods on how many different scrolls in each of these things, right? So, again, you know, that's that's this thing, right? But that's not what I want to talk about. There was this other thing that came up, right? And we were talking about this this process right and you know what what he threw out this neat little fact and i had to go fact check and all that right so uh if you read the little thing that i put out right the little uh description right and it was on the slide right this process was actually used by a person who (laughs) ate an entire airplane and then i come to find out that he ate a train as well, right? So how the hell you do that, right? I mean, it's metal and steel and what, well, you know, uh, there's that old cliche, right? How do you eat an elephant? Well, same thing, you eat it, same way you eat everything else, one bite at a time, right? Now, it's going to take longer, but the whole idea is you take whatever the challenge is, whatever the problem is, and you break it down into smaller parts that are easier to work with, right? It's the secret behind our goal setting. It's the secret behind our techniques. It's the secret behind 
handling a fight. That's why I give everybody frameworks. Instead of just throwing a shit ton of freaking techniques at you, one after another, and then talking about strategies and tactics and all this kind of stuff, we bring everything into frameworks so that you have a workable scientific process. All this stuff is based on it. Just because the past masters didn't formulate it specifically that way doesn't mean that that's not what they're doing. What I and my teachers, because I, I learned this mindset from them, and they pointed things out in certain scrolls and stuff, and I'm like, holy shit, they were using the exact same process, they just didn't write it out this way, right? But I, I think one of my skill sets anyway is in being able to take the complex and break it down into smaller chunks um, so that people can manage it easier, right? And then once they get a handle on that and then they work the process, work the process, work the process, same thing with working your techniques, same things with working kata, anything like that, right? You do things over and over and over again and you start to get more and more insights about it and being able to see things from a higher uh, level or a higher uh, vantage point, kind of like uh, one of my teachers used to say, it's the Goodyear blimp view of the of the sports stadium, right? From any seat within that stadium, you only have a certain view, right? If you're on the field as a player, you have a different view, right? If you're a drone, and then, you know, when I was growing up, they didn't have those things. But, you know, if you're, a, you're flying the drone or whatever, you got a different vantage point, right? But from that Goodyear blimp or the helicopter, right, hovering over top the stadium, you can see the whole process, right? And you start to get an intuitive sense about what's going on, right? That's that's one of the one of the paths to mastery. And I know the guys that are all mechanically oriented and just want to memorize a whole bunch of cool moves. Right. They think that that's it. The strategist, the tactician. Right. They understand that there are techniques and whatnot, but they're not worried about which one. They couldn't care less about which technique works. They just need this particular outcome. Right. And then you've got the master who's not thinking about outcomes or anything like that until the problem arises, right? So it's not about content. It's about context, right? And ultimately, it's not about content or context. It's about the challenge. It's about the problem, right? We won't know which tool, which tactic, which strategy or anything like that until the problem arises. But how, how, right? So here's the idea. The problem dictates the method, right? So how do we eat an airplane? Or in this case, right, I said it was the uh, eating a sword. Uh, is, that, is that what my title is? Yeah, eating a sword, challenge solving, right? And that's the idea, right? So I know there's that goofy picture of me biting down on a sword, right? But there's no way in hell I'm going to eat a sword that way. I'm not even going to eat a sword if it's broken up into smaller pieces that are, you know, even rice size. Because it's going to cut up my esophagus when I, when I try to eat it. If it doesn't tear up my mouth in the process, crack and shatter my teeth. But... Again, it's about making the process, breaking things down into the smallest pieces that we could actually work with, right? So how did the guy eat the airplane? 
right? This is the same way I would eat a sword, right? The way he ate the train, the way he ate the airplane, right? What he did was he ground the stuff down into fine salt or dust-like particles, really, really tiny, and then he mixed it with his salt and his sugar. Do you get it? So every time he sprinkled the salt on his food, there was some of this in there. But it was so small that it's not going to hurt him. But over time, he's going to go through that whole stockpile. That's how he ate the airplane. Right? But if you, you know, if you think about it, right, when I mentioned somebody used this entire, this exact process to eat an entire airplane, your brain probably went to one, that's impossible. Two, how the hell do you do that? Three, right? I mean, you can't even bite. All these problems arise, which is what the average person does, which is what the the mind that's not wired with the process does. There's there's all these all these phases that we go through: disbelief, right? Looking for the trick, uh, you know, uh, thinking that it's just bullshit, right? Uh, coming up with all kinds of reasons that it can't be done. Uh, you know, somebody must uh, have some kind of ability, right? They've got diamond teeth or whatever, right? They've got a digestive tract that, you know, is not normal, right? It's the same thing we do with, with masters, right? With, with master teachers, right? Well, see, they can do this because people have done that to me over the years, right? Uh, you know, sensei, you don't understand, right? You're able to go to Japan or you were able to train with this guy or that guy or whatever, because all, all kinds of answers, right? I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And so I I can't understand what it means to be poor. Um, you know, I, I had certain conditions going on in my life, like, uh, you know, my, my wife, uh, you know, uh, had no problem with me doing it, or I was independently wealthy or all these things that just weren't true. Right. I had the same, if not more problems than every student I've ever encountered. That was an impediment to training or there was an impediment to getting to Japan or going on this really cool vacation or doing this really cool thing. But the only thing I had that they lacked at the moment was one, the desire to do it no matter what. Two, the belief that I could do it. And three, a plan or a process to make that doable for me. Mm, at the moment, right? So I teach those, right? Here you go. You need the, the desire to do it, the burning desire to do it. It's more important to do it than not. Right. Two, the belief that you can do it. And three, here's the process or at least one process right here. Do it this way. Right. There you go. There's your map. Right. There's your plan. And then we'll see if they have the fourth ingredient. That they're actually willing to get off their ass and do. Do the do to work the plan. Right. Because after that. Right. If I if 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 we remove everything else. 
everything else, right? You've got the desire, you've got the you got the belief that you can do it. You're given a plan. If you don't do it after that, no other bullshit counts, right? Because it's it's ultimately right here, right? I have to work the plan. I can't let my belief in myself falter, and I can't lose sight of the dream. I can't let myself get distracted by all kinds of other bullshit, right? So it's really a process, and the process is simple. It doesn't matter if we're trying to get to training. It doesn't matter if we're trying to get to Japan. It doesn't matter if we're trying to get to that get, to go on that really cool vacation or have that job we want or have that spouse or family or life condition or whatever. Or we're trying to eat an elephant or eat a freaking airplane or whatever. It ultimately comes down to, at least with the plan, right, and the process, reducing the problem, the challenge. You don't reduce the challenge itself, right? If the challenge is fucking ginormous, right? My first time going to Japan. Holy shit. The only thing I knew was <laughs> where the dojo was in Japan, and that was in Japan. The rest of it I had to figure out. Okay, I was going to get there. I was going to take time off without harming the family. All that kind of stuff, right? But how do I reduce the parts of the problem, the parts of the challenge, to small enough pieces that I can manage as I move along? Right. And I get it. I get it. Some problems, some challenges. Right. It's not just one thing. It's not just money. It's not just time. It's not just, um, you know, a time off work. It's not just uh, maybe I don't have a plan, but I can develop a plan to get from where I am to the next piece that I know of. And if that's ginormous, break those things down and then systematically Take care of the pieces, right? Uh, I've got this, uh, I think most of you know this already, unless you're a brand new listener. I've got this uh, pro uh, uh, program that I made. It's called the Life Purpose Discovery uh, Process, right? And it's a process, right? You can call it a program, call it a system, call it whatever you want, but it's really a process, right? And so the first part of it is really in just kind of coming up with those pieces, Right. And in this case, because we're talking about life purpose. Right. But this process, all I did was bring this in so that it covered uh, part of the Seishin Teki. Right. The personal clarity, the personal development stuff. It's, it's part of that. It's, it's a program in that area of our training. Right. Which is the first part for all ninja to be getting. I mean, otherwise, we're not trying to be that thing. Right. Everybody wants the cool martial arts fight moves. But what are we protecting, right? What is it that's valuable other than my ego, right? Uh, we're, we're putting together a program now as an introductory program at the, at the academy, right? It's a six-week introductory program, but it's not for everybody. It's for a very specific type of person. We'll be making other ones for other types of people and reasons that they would get involved in the training. But this one's designed for men, 24 to 55, who just short, right? It doesn't matter to me if they're married. Most of them are, right? Um, 
but they're concerned about danger in the world and they need to protect what they have, right? Their family, right? They've, they've garnered some, some, you know, they have a life of value, right? So just in a nutshell, right? It's for men in this age range. And what I'm simply saying is who have something to protect other than their egos, right? You can join a fight school, but it's all about nurturing ego. It's all about getting prizes and belts and all that kind of stuff, right? They're not worried about that stuff. How do I know? I talk to I talk to them. They're in my school, right? They have very specific wants, desires, and needs. And you know what? I want to duplicate those people. So instead of just throwing a bunch of shit to the wind and hoping that it sticks and draws those kind of people in, how about if I know those people better than they know themselves, or at least as well as they know themselves, so that I can speak their listen and describe the program in that way, right? So how do I do that? Well, I broke all kinds of things down, right? But we're putting this program together, right, so that they get it. And then our basic, the, the introductory module in our in our training, right, yes, I know, we're teaching Sanchin. Yes, I know we're teaching certain techniques. We're teaching the base, uh, we're teaching techniques against the most common attacks, not the way they were done in you know, 13th century, 15th, 16th century Japan, the way they're done today. Then we can start broadening out into these other things because I'm, what good does it do me if I'm throwing things out, talking to me, right? I understand what this stuff means. Well, great. Do they? Okay. Because I understand that what I'm offering people and what every instructor is offering people, whether they know it or not, are solutions to problems, right? Solutions to problems. Okay. And I need to give enough solutions to somebody so that they can handle the most common things that are, that are going to come at them. Why the most common? Well, because when somebody thinks about protecting themselves, their family or whatever, their head goes to the things that they hear about or see the most, the most often. So we get that stuff out of the way, right? Why would I be teaching somebody how to defend against a cold, heartless assassin who doesn't project any intent or anything like that until I teach them how to protect themselves against the enraged attacker? I don't know, the guy at work that's having marital problems or whatever. And we don't have to put those in that kind of context, but somebody's just coming at them enraged, right, and giving them some tools to do simple things. Because if you think about it, the realm of self-defense, the realm of survival is the elephant. It's the train. It's the plane. How many parts, how many perspectives, how many different ways can somebody come at them? How many different environments might they find themselves in? All these different kind of conditions, right? Start small. Basic principles and concepts. That's why my academy is called Warrior Concepts. Okay? Not some Japanese name. I tried that. Not some Japanese name that nobody can understand. Okay? And what I found out way back before I changed the name to an English name, right, 
um, because I live in an English speaking micro world, right? Um, was that a lot of people really wanted to do what they found out what we were doing. And this is from people that came in months or years after encountering the school, watching us maybe at a demo or seeing one of my videos or whatever, right? But they didn't come in because they were afraid of either being embarrassed or being ridiculed or being actually attacked for mispronouncing the Japanese. Now, had I not known that, I would have continued to throw out the same bullshit and the same stuff that I understand and 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 I know what it means and and I'm I'm going to spend a lot of time, effort, money, resources, whatever to help them understand so that they can be as cool as me. When in reality, these people are looking for problems or solutions to a problem called how do I not get my ass handed to me? How do I not how do I protect my family, my wife, my kids, whatever, the stuff I've worked hard to to amass, right? When somebody else tries to take it away, how do I protect that? But they don't know the names to solutions. Cuz I could say ninjutsu, but you know what, to a lot of people, they have no idea what that means. I know cuz I've used that. And then I say, well, you know, the ninja's martial art. Oh, 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 ninja. I know the word ninja. You mean like turtles? No. And see, now I've got to redefine it. I've got to, I've got to explain. How do I take, what do I, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> How do I take, what do we got? I started in 1980, right? Not, not in other martial arts, but just in this one, right? 90, 2000. Uh, How do I take 42 years of study? And explain that in 10 seconds or less, because that's about the attention span of somebody. As soon as you start using terminology and perspectives and stuff like that, that they don't understand. It's the same thing when you're reading, right? The studies show that or the science shows you're reading something and you hit a word that you don't know, you don't understand. Your comprehension drops to zero. And then it affects everything that you read after that because your brain is stuck on an open loop. And it, part of it's trying to resolve that problem. So unless you take time, you go to a dictionary, you type it in your phone or whatever, go to Google and go, what does this word mean? And now you know what it means. And you go back, just back up to the beginning of that paragraph or the beginning of that sentence, reread it again, knowing what it means. And your brain is now relaxed and will keep on going. Right. We're the same kind of problems with the communications, right? Because for me, as somebody who has classes and programs and all that, somebody's lack of knowledge about the thing is the elephant in the room. It's the train or the plane. So I need to break that into smaller pieces, right? Which is why a lot of my videos and a lot more going forward are going to be based on not just putting stuff out, not just explaining ninjutsu, not just giving techniques, but they will actually start with my research on what the majority of the people who are looking for these solutions 
actually type into Google and YouTube, word for word, this is what they type in. So I can meet them where they are in their own head. I can meet them where they are relative to the problem. Okay, James and I have, have discussions about this stuff all the time, right? And so uh, the strategy is in before they even know how big the problem is, because the problem is already big enough to them, right? I might be attacked. Look at all the different freaking ways somebody could attack me, or they're, they're, they've seen one and they're terrified of that, and that's already the elephant in the room, right? So before they even know how big the problem is, before they even know what they don't know, they don't know, I have to come at them with just a small piece. Let's start here. Let's give you some solutions for this piece, right? This, this new program, and actually all of our programs, right? I just have to present it in a way that is a solution to a specific type of person, their problems, right? So even though a husband and wife could know there's danger in the world, and want to be able to protect themselves and their family, they're both in unique positions. So while I could present the solution, our six-week program, which I have done, and it's been pretty successful, while I could do it that way, right, guys, whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter, because of social stigma, upbringing, uh, the way they believe uh, they have a responsibility for protecting da-da-da, uh, right? It's still going to be different in certain aspects from the moms who have that maternal instinct to protect their kids, right? To protect themselves in certain ways, right? They think of attacks and self-defense differently, right? So this is a process, right? This is a process that, I learned within the context of training, right? Because my teacher used that when I was still a white belt, my teacher would talk about, look, you're working on a kata, you're working on a technique, and you're having a problem with it, right? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, whatever, right? You find out where it's not working, and then instead of continuing to try to freaking do the whole damn thing, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, since I'm having problems, right? You take that piece that's not working and you pull it out and you work with it, right? You figure out what the problem is there. Is it the footwork? Is it the balance? Is it the weight transition? Is it the way you're moving? Is it find out what it is, fix it, and then drill the shit out of that until you fixed it and then put it back. Now work the kata. Now work the technique, right? Is everything good? Can we move on to the next one or are we bumping up against something else? Now that's been fixed, right? And then instead of, again, everybody tries to work on the elephant. Everybody tries to eat the frickin' elephant. Take a bite. Pull it out. Whatever it is. And th this works for everything, every problem. Break it down into smaller chunks, right? Nothing pisses me off more. I smile. I say, oh, I understand, okay? But nothing pisses me off more than asking a student what they're working on. Because 
if I don't know what you're working on, how can I help? Right? I just guess, I guess. It's what everybody else is doing. Well, how the hell does that help you? My job is to help you get someplace faster and more efficiently than I got there. My teachers did the same thing for me. Right? So confusing you or letting you run around in circles and helping to toss some extra what? Here's some extra marshmallows. That'll that'll bait you to run around and be more confused about more things, right? But nothing pisses me off more than to ask somebody what they're working on and they look at me and go, oh, pretty much everything, right? Which is bullshit because no one can work on everything at one time. It's impossible, right? What I have found is that for most people who say they're working on everything, it's a bullshit statement to cover up the fact that they're not working on anything. Right? They confuse class time with practice time. So they don't do any practice outside of the classroom. Right? Because, you know, the dojo is a gym. Right? That's where all the machines are. So that's where I go to work out. Really? What are you working on while you're working out? Right? What specific problem in the grand scheme of things are you trying to fix today? Right? Because I give you a curriculum in every level that you're in. Most teachers do. Some don't. But what is it about those techniques that's giving you a problem? And if every technique is giving you a problem, then what basic basic is because all the techniques are built of the same freaking pieces. Punches, grabs, kicks, footwork, uh, other body movement. Right, maybe rolls, leaps, whatever. They're the same freaking basic, basic pieces. So if all the techniques have problems, then what basic, basic is screwed? Come I sucks, your balance sucks, your footwork sucks. What sucks? Okay. Well, pretty much everything. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter where we start. Well, I, I don't know where to start. Okay. So pick something. If it doesn't matter where you bite the elephant first to take your first bite, doesn't matter which order, pick something. I promise if you pick something, the next part will become evident. And the next part after that will become evident. And if you ever get stuck because you're having a dilemma, or in Mikyo, we have we present students with quadlemmas, right? So it's not this, but it's not that. But it's not not this. But it's not not that either, because the answer is somewhere in here, right? Just freaking pick something. If you don't know the priority, you pick something, right? If you're not growing, you're dying. And that goes physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. If you're not moving forward, Standing still isn't the same as, well, I'm just kind of hanging, just, you know, taking some time off. So you're backing up. Because if you take time off long enough, you'll forget all the other shit that you think you're still at the same spot on. Because your skills deteriorate over time. And even if they didn't, if you're, if you're under, even if your understanding of them doesn't deteriorate, right? Your body has changed over time. It has aged. It's either better physically because you've been working out in other areas or you took a job that forces you to work out or 
you haven't been working out, and so your body condition has changed, or you had some injuries along the way, or for whatever reason, it's changed. So while you think you can still do the same things, as soon as you go into action, you're going to find out very quickly that you can't. Okay. So now what? Okay. So anyway, the process is the same, right? The process is the same to fix anything, to, to overcome anything. Know what the problem is. And sometimes problems are so big, right, that you, do, you can't see the edges. People think they understand self-defense. People think they understand survival and fighting. The biggest things my teachers did for me was to show me things that I would have to deal with that weren't even in my definition. It wasn't even, in, it, it wasn't even within my perception. I had no idea how big the problem was that I was trying to solve when I got on board to solve the problem. So now what? I trust the process, okay? Because I'm going to go into these different realms to deal with them, and I need to understand the problem. I need a plan and uh, a training process, right, for approaching it, and I will need tools and skills to apply with the process to handle that thing, okay? It's the same over and over and over again, right? So we either get, we can either get caught up in the enormity of the challenge or the problem and decide that we can't or we figure out, or we go to somebody who's figured out how to reduce it into small, yep, here's the pun, bite-sized pieces, and then do it. Stick with it and do it, okay? Anybody that just looks at the airplane and goes, well, you can't eat a damn airplane. What the hell's wrong with you, Okay. Somebody, obviously, wanted to prove everybody wrong, figured out how to reduce that metal, leather, springs, wiring, glass, all these pieces into small, tiny pieces that he could ingest and not damage himself and just needed to stick with the process long enough to go through an entire plane and then turned around and uh, now I think he just decided he needed to be a world book of records or something, turned around and did the same thing with the train. Now I don't know how big it was, locomotion or locomotive, small, I, I didn't look into all that stuff, right? The fact that he ingested metal and all these particles, right? And just made it a part of his meal. Just, you know, I'm going to sprinkle salt on anyway, right? So that's what he did. He just blended in with the salt, okay? salt, sugar, that kind of thing, and just, okay. He made it so small that I'm sure in the beginning he thought, oh, this is cool, this works. But over time, all he had to think about was mixing 
the right proportion with the next batch of salt that was going to go in the salt shaker. So he only had to think about it every once in a while to make sure he stayed with the process. But he made made things so simple that the process just it became the normal and it took care of itself. Interesting, huh? Okay. So I get it. Some challenges are going to be scary. Some challenges are going to be, uh, they're going to cause us to have to work, right? But this goes back to the same thing we've been talking about over and over again, right? I've got to tell you, and I, I tell my students this all the time. I, I don't know if I had some kind of innate tenacity that had to come out for me to make it this far. But when I first got involved in this, mentally, emotionally, physically, but more often than not, the, the biggest part was the belief system that I was beaten into and convinced of and had it proven to me, right, that I was not capable of very much, let alone setting out to be this thing that turned out to be way more than I could have ever imagined and ever defined way back in the day. Right. But it had to start somewhere. Right. Everything was too big. Talking to somebody, asking someone for something that was not a very close family member that I wasn't afraid of. Hell, becoming a police officer. Holy shit. I just, the only thing that drove me was a passion to protect people from that which I had survived. A passion to never live in fear again. I was missing the belief in myself. It was those things that were so strong that kept me out, or kept me going until I had enough experiences to balance out the lack of belief until I had enough experiences and teachers pointing out, really, you can't do anything? Really? Seriously? How'd you get here to the seminar? Well, I, I did this, this, and that. Really? Huh. I thought you weren't capable of things. You worked this out. So now work out the next big problem. Interesting. Okay. That which we think is impossible is just, it's still part of problem. It's still part of a process or of the lacking of pieces within the process. Or maybe you don't lack it. Maybe just, you're, I've got a couple of students. One in particular I can think of right now. She's come such a long way. She's come so far. It's amazing. She has no idea how different physically she looks. Facial features, it's just looking at her the other day. She looks nothing like the person that walked in the door. Yeah, hair color's the same. Well, she colors her hair, but hair color's the same. She's the same height, same skin tone, you know, as far as pallor and what. Well, no, that's even different, right? Her voice resonates differently. Just not the same person. 
but she still runs into, and she's getting better with this, but compliments or somebody pointing out, oh, that was good, right? Less and less is the crinkled face, perplexed, or almost a painful look because there's a problem reconciling the reality that's going on and the internal picture or belief about what she is, what she's capable of, what she's actually producing as far as results, all those kind of things. She actually physically, facial features, looks completely different. Right? It's just, it's, it's amazing. But I, I run into this with students all the time. The self-doubt overriding <laughs> the reality that's actually being reflected in the world. Okay. It's interesting. Interesting. Anyway, I'm going to bring James back in here because, like, you know, he's on this personal development path as well. Um, I think I, I think he said, I'm going to unlock you here, James. Right. Before we got started, didn't you say that you missed the eating a sword part of the slide? Did you miss that? You just didn't read it or <clears throat> what, what did you mean by missing it? <clears throat> No, when I read that, I was like, oh, I've missed that part of the training so far. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I have to buy a new sword because at some point he's going to have us bring our blades in. I'm going to munch these babies down. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's uh, change context or change perspective. Eating a sword can mean something different as well. Like here, hold this for a second, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, ski komi in a whole new light, right? Ski komi is this piercing stop kind of thing, right? It's one of the basic, uh, like basic, basic sword, uh, techniques that shows up across several lineages, right? Togakure school and, and all these things, right? Where he comes in with this cut and you in some form shift and stab through his torso, through his throat, whatever, right? And the act of that happening, right? Physiologically, the body will jam up it'll stop right because one of the biggest questions is well he's got this sword why does he just finish the cut well because that causes the body to move on this blade and the body is wired to not damage itself right so here's this thing that if you're only focusing on mechanical techniques all these what ifs and bullshit kind of things pop up right so you got to understand why right why does the technique work Right. Why do some people um, overcome challenges being like, you know, having half your IQ, having half your height, strength, whatever. Right. Having no legs, whatever it is. Right. Why do some people succeed? And other people who have, like I said, just exorbitant, just high number range in the IQ or physical strength or prowess or, you know, they they were born into money, all this kind of stuff, right? And um, I had a student a bunch of years back, Tony, one of his friends got this guy involved in the training and all that, right? And he very quickly dropped out, right? But um, Tony ended up partnering with him and somebody else to have a business, right? Oh, and this guy just sucked the energy out, uh, resources, all that kind of stuff, right? Came from money. And was just an absolute screw up, right? Um, 
eventually got cut off by his parents and stuff like that, right? Was taught all the tools, all the things that he needed, but was just lazy as shit. Just, you know, just thought that the world owed him something. And maybe that came from the fact that he had a cushy life. And then when he had to produce the results on his own, you know, he didn't bother to learn the lessons that were being taught because, you know, well, shit, somebody else is always going to take care of it anyway. I mean, you know, I'm taught all these things and I'm taught the realities of the world, but I really don't have to worry about them because I got my room in a house that somebody else pays for. And, you know, yeah, I, I went out and got a job because they told me, but I got the minimum job I was willing to do because, well, somebody else is paying the mortgage. Somebody else is paying the, the utility bill. Somebody else is buying the freaking groceries. You know, well, I buy my own food. Yeah, well, you bought freaking fast food and all kinds of bullshit. But who's who's taking care of the stuff, right? So people can be taught the right lessons. I remember one time, uh, way back in the day, my my uh, my my kids. Well, I had two teenagers that were, then they were teenagers, right? Two older ones. Uh, my daughter, Kelsey, who's my middle daughter, um, she was way young. She had to be, I don't know, maybe six, seven, because my daughter, Trinity, who's now in college, going to graduate soon, move out in the world, right? Um, she was just born or maybe within a year or two, something like that, because her, she and Kelsey are six years apart. Um, two of my students, one specifically, kept pointing out how lucky my kids were. Right. Because we had to find this stuff. They luck, you know, by luck fell on it. Right. I just kept looking through martial arts and stuff like that and self-defense systems. So I found something that matched what I knew I needed. Well, at least in part. Right. Out in the world. And I was willing to jump around and give up good for better, better for better. Right. Uh, great. Whatever. Right. Um, and so they thought that my kids were lucky because they were born into this. And I had to warn them that look they're born yeah they're born into this right so this is going to be everyday commonplace and chances are they're going to take it for granted and not see it as valuable as you do and sure enough while my children had no choice but to train to some extent they all had to do something right resentful or not right but they don't see the value, the same value that James, you do, or other of my students do, right? Because they grew up in the dojo, right? So they got the lessons in spite of themselves, but seeing the value to the degree that a lot of my students do, because it was commonplace. And besides that, it was lessons from mom and dad. So, you know, parents. What do they know? Remember that old Will Smith song, right? Parents just don't understand. Maybe that's the problem, right? Some of us had parents that didn't understand. We had to be intuitive enough or whatever to find mentors and reverse engineer lessons and all that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, so we have to be careful. It's easy for ego to blame or to reason out why other people can but we can't. But remember, no matter what kind of what kind of background somebody has, no matter what kind of advantages they seem seem to think they have or whatever, right? 
one person's insurmountable challenge could be somebody else's cakewalk. But that same person cakewalking that challenge could run into one that's absolutely insurmountable. You could look at it and go, well, dude, you just got to keep at it. Right. I remember in, in Miko training one time, um, I was talking with, uh, with Sensei Hayes about this stuff. And it was, it was in a big class kind of thing, but he made this reference to the same thing, right? You got this mom who's got a full-time job and she's working at least one part-time job that might be, she's on her knees, right? Scrubbing floors after hours in a school or whatever to put her kid through college, right? She never went to college. She's only down these menial jobs and whatnot, but it's, it, it's so important to her that her child live a life that's different than this, right? Doing all this stuff every day is a grind every day, right? And yet she gets up and does what needs to be done because that's what's driving her, right? Because she wants them to have a better life or these people that are working their asses off to have a better life than they grew up with or whatever, right? But then you got these celebrities, right? In whatever realm, right? Politicians, uber business successful, literally entertainer, you know, uh, celebrities or whatever, right? They've got everything, right? They've got everything they were taught that they were supposed to have. And that should have made life easy street, right? And it's not. And they still have depression. They still have frustration. They still have whatever it is that's supposed to be there to provide happiness and well-being and all that. And they don't. And they end up swallowing pills or a bullet or whatever because they've made it. And now the challenge is, what the hell, right? So be careful, right? We have to understand the challenge. We have to understand what the problem is, right? And we have to be committed to, to overcoming it, right? To solving it, no matter what it takes. We have to believe that we can, this is on the mandala, right? This is 1600 year old graphic of the lessons that are over 2500, well over 5000 years old if we go back to the, the, to the Vedas and the Upanishads and all these things that form the basis of this stuff way back, right? We have to believe that we can do it. We have to develop a plan. We have to break the problem down into small pieces that are actually doable and recognize that if we take care of the pieces, the problem itself takes care of itself. But we have to be willing to do the work, right? The number of people <laughs> that tell me how much they can't, right? They won't do it, but I would love for them to shoot video because I see how, how, how long they're on social media posting every day and all this kind of stuff, right? All this bullshit stuff. Well, I just finished my, my third Mountain Dew for the day and boy, was that tasty. Really? 
Really, that's that was worth sharing to the world. But you can't take the time to figure out how, you know, well, since they don't have enough money, right? And Well, how much do you need? Well, I, your program is, or this thing is this much, or, okay, all right. So let's stop thinking about the fact that I don't have that much money, right? Because you can't have more money until you decide how much you need. And if that's too big of a chunk, then how about if we back it all the way down to, can you figure out how to make an extra five bucks this week? Then next week, make it 10 bucks. Then the next week after that, make it 15, uh, 15 bucks. Is, okay, 11 bucks. Whatever, right? Would things be different? Would you, would you be able to manage figuring out how to make an extra five bucks? I could look around my house and find at least 50 items that I could sell on eBay for five bucks. I think I mentioned this in a previous Kuden, right? Holy shit. Go through your house. Pull out all kinds of stuff. Well, I can make 50 cents for that. I can make a buck for that. That's five bucks. That's 20 bucks, whatever, right? And when you run out of your own shit that's cluttering up your house that other people are willing to buy because they don't have a fucking life outside of buying stuff. Oh, wait, excuse my language. They don't have a freaking life. You get the idea, right? Then go to all your damn lazy freaking friends and family members who got a bunch of shit laying around their house that are too lazy to, to clear out and go, hey, how about if I clear out your shit? Right? Do you know there's a whole group, there's a whole bunch of people that look it up on, on, uh, on YouTube. There's a whole bunch of people that are selling you shit. They've got entire multi, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's making a million yet, but I'm betting pretty close. They're making of, but they're making thousands, if not tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month or a year. Going to flea markets, yard sales, all kinds of stuff, right? Buying stuff, looking it up online. How much is that being sold for? Da -da 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 -da. Okay, great. Holy shit. Wow, that was really worth that much. And they've gotten really good at going through these places and going, yeah, that's not going to sell. Oh, it's, this is blemished here, whatever, right? Oh, these getting cleaned up. Oh, how much do you want for this? Five bucks? Shit, online, I'm going to sell that. I'm going to sell a pair of sneakers for 60 bucks, right? And then learning how to, to sell it through, uh, you know, eBay, how it gets shipped out, all that kind of stuff, how to get, keep those prices low and all that. And literally have turned their garage into a storage thing. And all they do all day long, once or twice a week or a month or whatever, they go to these places, Goodwill, whatever, buy this stuff, sort it, and they spend their days taking pictures Posting it with descriptions, taking orders, packaging stuff up, taking it to the post office. And they can do it whatever hour of the day works best for them. They figured out how to make money, a shit ton of money, out of other people's tons of shit. <laughs> because other people want to buy that stuff and because everybody's lazy instead of 
everybody running around to Goodwill and yard sales and whatever, right? These people know that lazy people hang out on eBay or whatever these other things are. And they spend their entire freaking day and their entire freaking paychecks, instead of paying bills and a rent and all that, scrolling, clicking by now, scrolling, clicking by now, and feeling all great about themselves when the shit comes in and then not feeling good about themselves when they need to either pay their bills or that cool opportunity popped up and now they're complaining because they don't have any money and they don't know how to make any money or whatever and they just bought shit from people that figured out how to make more money. Holy shit, right? You can go to YouTube and type in how to make money. And thousands of videos will scroll. There's your plan. Pick one. The trick is you got to be willing to get off your ass and not go, oh, well, that's cool. Oh, man, that's going to be hard work. Well, unless you've got an Aunt Minnie who's rich, and when she dies, she's going to will you a million dollars. You ain't getting a million dollars unless you figure out. But, again, it, if it seems insurmountable, break it down. How do I know about these other things? I was doing research on other things, and for whatever reason, the keyword I typed in popped up, and this guy said, you know, made $6,000 this month uh, at yard sales. Is this guy doing yard sales? Just as a curiosity, right? That was my cat video for the moment, right? Clicked on it. Holy shit, this guy's got a huge thing, and not only is he doing it, but he's posting a bunch of these people are posting how-to videos so other people can do the exact same thing. They're not even worried about competition. So, can you make an extra five bucks this week? Well, I need a lot more than five bucks. Then repeat the process or aim higher. I am tired of hearing people bitching and complaining living in some of the wealthiest countries on the planet, they're willing to bitch and complain about how people are screwing over other poor people and how they're getting screwed over holding a $1,000 supercomputer in the palm of their hand that's part of one of the bills and reasons why they don't have money. Holding a supercomputer in the palm of their hand that gives them access to all the fucking knowledge they need to solve their damn problems. But what do they go to? They go to all the sites and all the memes and all those kind of things that remind them that everybody's out to get them. When all those videos on YouTube I, report, I was pointing out, everyday people, everyday people, doing everyday things, not in an everyday way to produce the results that they decided they need. Instead of complaining about having, having a job they didn't like, they figured out a way to sell stuff that other people were selling, uh, what do you call them, thrift stores and all that, right, for pennies on the dollar using what they already have, look it up, figure out how the process works, selling it for hundreds of times. 
if not only tens of times what what they paid for it to other people who are willing to pay that price. And how do they know what people are willing to pay? They look it up. The stuff would not be listed on eBay as often as it is if people weren't buying it. And if you don't think it'll sell for that, then drop it 50 cents or $5 or whatever the difference would be, right? You need $1,000? Sell a thousand things for a dollar more than you paid for it. Don't forget to add shipping because the buyer pays shipping. But you only need a dollar in profit. Sell 500 things, you made 500 bucks. Of course, if you make two or three dollars in profit, but be careful how much profit you make, especially if you hate people in business and how they're screwing people over. Because if you make too much profit, geez, you might turn into one of those people who pay more taxes in a year than most people make. But it's never enough to complainers anyway. But this is not about those. This is about solving problems. There's a process. It's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. Why is it still working? Because uh, it works. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think the problem. What I have learned over the years is I can't reeducate the masses. What I have learned over the years is I could give someone the perfect solution, cost free. You could give it to them if they're not willing to get off their ass and work the process, or if they don't believe in themselves, or they're not passionate about making the changes or having the results, right? They're comfortable. They're comfortable until they're not, right? They're comfortable until that opportunity pops up and they don't have enough money and then they go into bitching and complaining mode. Or they're comfortable until uh, the bills come due or whatever, right? As long as somebody else is writing the check, as long as somebody else is paying the bills, as long as I don't really need that, So what do you need? Anyway, right? So you need a sword the same way you need an airplane. You grind the damn thing down into small pieces, just dust. Add it to your salt or whatever. Dip your finger in whatever. Bunch of times, right? Not going to mess you up because it's tiny. How do I know that? Because we ingest iron all the time. We ingest carbon all the time, right? We ingest bits and pieces of things all the time. I don't want to gross anybody out by you know, by them finding out, you know, while they're sleeping, what's laying eggs on their tongue or crawling around or crawling into their ears. Or... <laughs> and we don't think about it. It doesn't exist. Well, there's some things you can't do anything about. But the things you can, don't make it something it's not. Anyway, James, what do you have to throw on top of this fire? What have you discovered in the training that um, you once thought was impossible or, um, I don't know, uh, really, really, really difficult that turned out to be maybe I'm having an earthquake here. Did it to myself on my table. Um, that's really not what you thought it was or, uh, you know, you know, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Well, 
awful deep subject, and I won't mention <laughs> the shallow mind. Not <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Sensei's an ass. Yep, and then some, but only to people who don't want to listen or don't want the answer. I think it all just really comes down to, um, like, really just how bad you decide you want something. Um, and you find out there's a lot more that when you say you, you can't do things, and then you start to realize it's just that you won't do things. Hmm. And you have to come to that realization that you make up a lot of excuses for yourself. And it's not a can't thing. It's just you won't for whatever. I mean, it might be just at that time or whatnot, but, uh, you mean like a temporary situation, right? Yeah. I believe a lot of it has to do with what, I mean, it may not be laziness because a lot of it has to do with what we've accepted. Like other people defined this or they told us we were, I mean, I had an abusive, you know, ass raising me. Right. So, um, and he was a sixth grade dropout because he was raised in a poor family and had to go to work right at that age. And so while he felt insecure in the world and always took a back seat, right, always believed that he couldn't do things and whatnot um, in the household. man, the abuse was high because he had to keep people below that level. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So here I am carrying straight A's and all that. And he didn't never opened his mouth uh, without calling me stupid or ugly or, you know, some kind of demeaning kind of things. Right. So, I mean, 18 years of that, quite the pounding, right? So, but still, I, I believe that everybody that's looking to do something and everybody that wants to do something, there is an innate, in, in Mikio, we would say an innate Buddha nature. And I don't mean like you're the, like some kind of divine being or whatever, although I do believe in people's inherent divinity. Um, I mean that there is this piece of us that's awake and that is reaching out for more call it enlightenment, call it mastery, call it success, call it whatever you want, right? So the very fact that you're you're on you're you're reaching out for things or resentful that you don't have them or whatever however that shows up, right? There's this thing that wants more, deeper experience, whatever, right? The very fact that it's there is poking through this acceptance, right? So um, it, it, so I believe those things are going on as well, right? Um, but need all these things, want and need and all that kind of stuff are subjective, right? Um, what I think is is the problem or the is a huge problem. I, I think it's I think the the challenge for most people who are stopped by challenges is their own self-actualization, right? One of the first lessons I got in this art, while most people are, you know, focusing on the cool moves and the sunshine and all that kind of stuff, the first lessons that drew me in, based on Hatsumi Sensei's uh, writings and teachings, and how that was translated by Stephen Hayes and, and all these things, these earlier teachers in the art, was this idea of the Tatsujin, right? The fully actualized human being. And how the first step in, in, uh, achieving that or realizing that was in examining one's limitations to find out what really is our limit. 
not what we believe it is, not what other people tell us it is, or whatever. I mean, ultimately, what we believe it is is going to stop us because that's the trap, right? But it's not about what we believe it is. It's not about what other people tell us it is. It's not what we think we're supposed to be doing or anything like that. Is an actually testing the limits. Because you will find where your limits are as a human being, right? I mean, your limit is your limit, right? Like no matter how much, how, how much I do with, with, with deep breathing, right, to expand my lung capacity and all that, ultimately, genetically, physiologically, whatever, right, just human biology, I'm going to hit a limit as to how far I can inflate my lungs myself. Mm-hmm. Now, I can grab other machines and inflate my lungs more. I might not like the result, but, but I can, you know, I can, I can work with it, right? Same thing with how far I can flex joints, right? And doing things and, and expand that range of motion, right? Our Junin Taiso does that, right? I, I think our art is just this magical, magical thing, right? One of the first things I was taught about the Junin Taiso, right? Um, whether you call them the dragon uh, exercises or, you know, whatever, right? The Junin Taiso, what I was taught early in, in, in the training is that the Junin Taiso is there to combat the body's natural tendency to come to rest. Interesting, isn't it? We're taught relaxation. We're taught do less. But we're not taught dead energy because there's a huge difference between, and this is how it was defined for me, finding out what's the least amount of muscle and tension I need to hold a specific position. Too much, I'm cooking off energy I don't need to cook off. And it will actually limit me and slow me down. Too little, and now I have to gear muscle up to go into action. Right? So it's about finding that thing where, yes, you have to work. But you find that sweet spot where... This amount produces the same amount or more than I thought I used to have to produce, right? I can actually relax this far and still produce the same amount. And if I do other things that work together, oh, I can produce way more than I thought, right? But it's about finding where your limits are. The irony that I always thought, my friends and I used to joke around about this, my peers and I used to joke around about the fact that we were working this damn hard to figure out how not to work hard, right? I mean, how much training, how much dojo time and all that, how much working with certain techniques and all that to find that the, one of the core principles of the Kionapo is energy conservation, how do I find the timing, distancing, and angling, right, to apply those movements, right, without excess work? But if I back it down just a little bit more, I can't do it, right? Something falls apart. The joint's too open. Things are too relaxed. 
I'm at a point where I've got to do, I, I get stuck or I have to do more. I have to force it or whatever, right? When I have to force things to look into it and figure out why the force is necessary, where am I off? Is the timing off? Is the angling off? Is the positioning off? Right? What's, what's off? Right? But that's a lot of work. And it's way more than most people want to do. Because if most people could snap their damn fingers and be Hatsumi Sensei, not be like Hatsumi Sensei, because the fantasy is, I want to be him. Right? Well, that's all great. But what's being ignored is the process. How many years? The man started training when he was five years old with a boken. Yeah. How do I know that? <laughs> You've seen the emails that come in, right? You've seen the bitching and complaining. You've seen the, uh, you're conspiring for me to fail. Excuse me? How is it my responsibility for your success? I can be a part of that. I can help you out with sharing the knowledge to get there, but I can't do it for you. And that was the other big lesson that we all got back in the day. No one can do it for you, but everybody wants to. And the, the analogy that kept being used, oh, my God, the number of times this was said back in the day. Here I am making this mudra. Sorry. The, the thing that kept being said over and over again is most people's problem is they want baby magic to be real. They want to be able to themselves wave a magic wand, but then for some people that's too much work. They want to be able to have a fairy godmother, fairy godfather, whatever, wave the magic wand and them to get whatever they wish for or to be able to blow out the candles on the cake with the wish or whatever, right? Because everything else is too damn hard. They don't want to have to put in the work. Well, then you don't want to overcome your challenges. What you really want is for somebody else, either because you whined enough, complained enough, bitched enough, or bullied enough, including guilting and all that kind of stuff, for somebody to come in and remove the challenge so that your life is the cakewalk. Why the hell should you be any different than anybody else that's ever walked the fucking face of the planet? Because Eco says so. Because... We're still conditioned from those early years with mommy and daddy as God taking care of everything. And then as soon as we age, we want to get older, so we get to do all the cool adult stuff. But we don't want all the cool, well, all the uncool stuff that adults have to overcome to be able to do all the stuff that makes the kid's life a cakewalk. And maybe I'm tainted. Because I didn't have that stuff. I mean, mom and dad took care of basic necessities. But everything else had to be figured out on my own for a very young age. So maybe I'm tainted. Maybe I had no choice. Now, that's not true because we all have choices. I could be bitching and complaining and all that too. And um, I'd be talking to a different group of people and not in this context. Right. Now, the only things I have to worry about, and I don't worry about it, maybe be very, very clear about this, because as the new videos come out, I already know. James, you already know because we saw it before. Right. Instead of learning the lessons that they search for to find, they're going to be shocked 
by this 60, almost 60 year old fat bald guy who could move pretty decently. <laughs> right? That's what's going to stop him. Not the lesson, not the stuff they went looking for, but their belief that whoever's teaching should look a certain way, sound a certain way, dress a certain way, and their own perception will be their own trap. And then they're going to go find somebody who looks a certain way, talks a certain way, is built a certain way or whatever. And they're going to follow that person regardless of whether or not the lesson is right. Because they've already determined what's important. It works in, in the way people vote. It works in the way people buy things. It works in the way people choose partners. Right. And it, then it's always somebody else's fault because shit didn't work out or they bought into an abuser, a liar, a manipulator, whatever. What happened, man? Like I voted for you. Uh, what happened? Your criteria for who you fucking vote for or who you choose to hook up with or who you choose to be friends with. Right? You know, one of my mentors, we talk about him on a regular basis. Most people would not ever. I mean, he's made people have freaking panic attacks and throw up in the vetting stage first day of his seminars because he wants to get down to those 20, 30 people that actually have stand a chance to be successful. Right. So, um, but, uh, he, <laughs> anyway, um, but that's the kind of mentors I lean toward anyway. Where was I going with that one? I don't, it doesn't matter. Right. So, um, I really don't care. I don't respond to the comments when somebody does that. There's plenty of other students that, that jump on that. Not that I need them to. Right. Um, but if, if that's what, if that's what draws somebody see, my perspective isn't on how I convince this guy that I really know somebody that's not my job. My perspective is that person already disqualified himself as a good student. Cause as soon as the teacher, any teacher that this person chooses says, does appears to be or whatever, anything that's outside this person's, God, you know, they decided that they are the the definer of the world, right? As soon as anybody steps out of that, they're gone. They're done. Or they're going to be bitching and complaining or whatever. So they don't really want a teacher. What they want is somebody that will give them the confirmation bias they're looking for, all wrapped up with a neat bow to make them feel all warm and special. As a matter of fact, if they could show what they think they know and the person will, uh, you know, do a, a, a certificate and give them some kind of award or whatever uh, for little to nothing. They'll do it. How do we know that, James? Go to the back of Black Belt magazine. Find all the certification things that if you pay them a certain amount. They'll promote you. Okay? There's one group that in their marketing. Right. Are you not the rank you think you should be? You know, your teacher piss you off and they're not, they're holding you back, that kind of stuff, right? Tell us the art you're in, the rank you want, and give us this amount of money. 
and now you are ranked in whatever art, at whatever level you want to be in this organization, and you were complicit in your own deception. What the hell does your rank matter? Unless you're trying to show off to somebody, somebody or feel good about yourself. What the hell does your rank matter? We've been in parades with the school, handing out stuff and everything, promoting the school. And I've gone to hand things to people, and they've gone, oh, I'm already a black belt. And I go, oh, wow, I'm, um, what style? Uh, Tic-tac-toe, whatever, right? They, they name off something. And I go, oh, okay, so, like, you train now? Well, I haven't trained, you know, since I was 9 or 15 or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I haven't trained for over half my lifetime. And I believe that I'm going to be able to whip this shit out. You know, because it's like riding a bike. Kind of. Because I've seen people hop on a bike after years and they're still wobbly for a little bit before they get back into the swing of things. Right? Yeah, because like in a violent situation, you have a couple of minutes to be wobbly, right, before you get your shit together. Interesting. Anyway. Okay, any, uh, you, you sound like you're as full of words today as you usually are when we have come. <laughs> Anything else you want to throw on this fire? No. No. All right. Pretty much said it all. And then some. Uh, who's on? I've seen people come. I've seen people go. Uh, not actual names. I just see the numbers go up and down. and You can see, you can see it drop off every time I say something that, like, Stabs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I'm not entertaining enough. Maybe I should put on a red nose and a clown suit and, you know, whatever, right? Where am I, Jimbo? What are you, my outfit that way? Speak like this. What you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I was taught by. You know, somebody said, say, you know, and I'm talking about way back in the day. Not the guy he had to be publicly. Once he became identified as one of Japan's natural uh, national treasures, once he re received awards and keys to cities and, you know, marketing, 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 right? So anyway, which is on the mandala too, by the way, <clears throat> it's pretty cool. Of course, the symbols don't look right. So what's with the hook and the stick and the rope and the chain? They were elephant herding tools. It's a process by which I attract the right students to the dojo. We don't have time for that during this class. Hmm. Anyway, who's on? Who do I need to say hi back to? Actually, the only person that's commented is Jen said hi. Sorry, those watching video just saw my cheeks puff out because I just took a big drink. On uh, uh, the other podcast sites and stuff, they just heard like silence. No, I didn't think badly of Jen. I was taking a drink. <laughs> Hi, Jen. 
Uh, anyway, all right. So nothing else? We all good? We're good. Nothing. Nothing. This must have been one. Of, you know what? Next time, um, I'll have to look at, at my at my thing. Let's see. Let me bring up my my schedule. Do I have it in front of me? I don't, but I can bring it up in like half a minute here. Uh, uh, where is? Might be nice if I clicked on the right icon. Kudan podcast schedule. Let's see. Next week is supposed to be translating Taijutsu, like the word Taijutsu, and looking at the difference between Budo and Ninpo Taijutsu. Huh. I think I did something like that on Whiteboard Wednesday where I looked at the the difference between the three ways and and, uh, how that's described in the scrolls. So uh, we could do that. And yeah, maybe we'll get more people watching during that one because it's more in line with, um, you know, how y'all way cool moves instead of like looking in a mirror and, you know, creating a life worth protecting. And this is not demeaning anybody. I once said that to somebody and he's, as a matter of fact, he, he wrote me an email and I get these all the time, but he wrote me an email saying he really wanted to do this stuff, but he has no money, barely has enough money, doesn't even have enough money to make sure the rent's paid and the bills are paid. He's constantly playing, you know, Rob Peter to pay Paul and all this kind of stuff, but he really wants to get this stuff, and but he really has no time and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just wrote back and I'm like, maybe this is a good time to start. Maybe the first thing that has to be done is, you know, you work on getting some day-to-day life equilibrium so that you can breathe, and then you could start on this other stuff, right? And I got this flaming email back that said I called him a loser, and um, how dare I say, I say that he can't support his family, and he's, you know, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. So my only response was, one, I didn't say that. Two, it was a matter of priority, because, you know, this is only going to take time that you don't have, and resources you don't have, even if I gave it to you for free, and it's not going to make day-to-day life easier, which is what this art's supposed to do, right? So if you want to start there, we can start certainly start working with the Seishin Techie, right, personal clarity and development and all that, and then move into this other stuff, right? And, you know, I, that, so that's, you know, that's my offer. I mean, if I don't know how you got from from A to somebody else's alphabet because um, not what I said, right? And uh, but anyway, you know, it's it's the abuse we take, right? Because um, the reality is most people don't want the truth, right? They want, you know, I mean, I want the truth, but if you could just sugarcoat the hell out of it, so you know. I get it with a whole bunch of, if I get it, the, if I can get it the way I want it, right, I'll take the truth, right? When I started working with my Miko teacher, um, first session, and he made me stew on it for a good week or two. Do you really want to know the truth? And he said, ah, be careful, because right now ego wants to say, well, of course, 
we wouldn't be talking if I don't, didn't want to know the truth. And then he laid out a whole bunch of conditions. Do you really want to know this, 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 this? And they were punches in the heart kind of thing. And I'm going to let you think on that for a while. You come up with the answer one way or the other, you let me know. Because even if you say yes, if we agree to start this, every class, every lesson, every engagement is going to be a test on that answer that you give. If it's yes. I'm a nicer teacher than that. <laughs> he would say something and stab me in the heart with it or whatever and laugh about it. Cool, cool times, fun times. No, not really. Okay. And, and I, like I tell people, never said it was easy. I've only ever said it was worth it. So I guess that was what it comes down to. Whether it's a plane, a train, a sword that we're eating, or we're taking care of a big problem. Do we want easy? Or do we want valuable? Do we want easy? Do we want it? Do we want worth it? Do we want do we want to solve this problem or do we want the tools to solve a shit ton of problems? What's that old thing from the Bible, right? Feed a man or uh, give a man a fish, you feed him for the day, right? Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Most people just want you to give them the damn fish. Right? So anyway, if that's it, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And uh, if you can stay on for a few minutes afterwards uh, so we can have our, our little meeting, that'd be great. Otherwise, nobody else needed to hear that. We're not going to edit it either. So um, I will talk to everybody again next time. Um, so next week is defining Taijutsu and looking at the difference between Budo Taijutsu and Nimpo Taijutsu because these are two words that keep flying around and people use them interchangeably. Some people uh, deny one and jump on the other and whatever. I can take a look at those. Uh, because I think it's important that we're clear about what it is that we're actually talking about. If you're in the ninjutsu realm, if you're following this and you're in some other martial art or whatever, um, I don't know, maybe it'll be uh, applicable to you. And uh, if you can kind of adjust your, your mindset about it, that'd be great. Uh, if not, no harm, no foul. If there's something that you would like for me to, to jump on as a topic or whatever, you can always, you know, get it to us. You can either send it to us via email at warriorc uh, at warrior-concepts-online.com or go to, if you're on Facebook, you can go to uh, the Kuden podcast page, post something, right? Uh, or you, if you're on YouTube, you can go to any one of these episodes and pop something in the comments and um, it should pop up as a notification for us and uh, we'll, we'll do something, right? Uh, that'd be awesome. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. So I will talk to everybody again next time on the next episode of Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.